Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Assemble, the show where you come for your rambling, geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by my friend and co-host from across the pond. It's the one and only DL. <laughs> you make me sound so cool. <laughs> I really appreciate it, man. I should, I should do like... the UFC ring announcer, yeah, right? Please, please don't. I mean, uh... <laughs> We are thrilled to bring you the second part of our fantastic interview episode with Jamie Oliveira, who we can find on Instagram at Oliveira underscore bros. Oliveira underscore bros. He's fantastic. What is what is Jamie Oliveira about, Dio? Oh, Jamie's about a many, a many, many things. Many things. Uh, but lately, you know, he's doing a lot of work trying to uh, write a script and get picked up in Hollywood. So he has a lot of in- interesting insights about nice. uh, kind of a lot of the stuff that we talk about week by week. So it's good to get his... Stuff that we don't actually know anything about, yeah. but he actually does. So hear from an expert or, you know, an aspiring one at least. Well, we won't get too far into it. We're going to let you guys listen to the second half of this. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and listen to last week's episode. It's genuinely a doozy. We're really excited about this. And on with the show. Are you guys familiar with um, this? these ideas realism versus for formalism i think no? you need to, i think you okay. need to debrief us yeah well this is simple you're gonna have to drop some knowledge awesome yeah. well this We're is very this, surface level you know that this right. is <laughs> this ucsb film and media education yeah. coming in completely useless in the industry but good for <laughs> podcast assemble um so realism let me explain this don't quote me but the best way I could describe it is... How can we not quote you? You're literally on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's exactly what you're constantly doing. There is, it, There's is, an the, it is the epitome of being oh, on there record. Is, there is a paper trail. Okay, quote me. Yeah. Uh, so realism, more or less, <laughs> is loosely, is this idea that you're, you're going you're, you're gonna to capture what is actually there. And it was kind of first coined back in the 1940s mm. with these films they're making in Italy, post-war Italy, mm. where they were just going on these rubbly ass streets and rolling the camera and using what they had, these real locations. I love the idea of rubbly ass streets. Rubbly ass streets. They got bombed out. <laughs> uh, they've since been replaced, but <laughs> hopefully Italy's a beautiful place. <laughs> I was uh, making a joke could, back in the UK that uh, of all uh, the whole UK got bombed in, in World War II, but they never rebuilt Coventry. <laughs> it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> Terrible city. The, the sad part is you go down certain parts of like London and you're like, oh, this is like really old block and there's a new building. You're like, oh, it's because literally that one. That one got nailed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so realism is more so about like. They being coined in the this phrase Italian neorealism. You might you might have heard that floating around. Okay. Whereas in complete contrast, at the same time in Hollywood, they were building these huge sets in this hangar, essentially, mm-hmm. with this artificial lighting yeah. that they brought in. And so yeah. that's and then they were really picking the shots, mm-hmm. like storyboarding, and that's that's what's referred to as formalism. Mm. Yeah. So a film like Goodfellas is to me the ultimate form of formalism. Mm. You know, the choices Scorsese makes in the edit, the close-ups, these like non-diegetic, and that means like influences that don't have anything to do with um, the setting that's being portrayed in the film. So like, what is it? That cream song. I mean, that is a non-diegetic influence. Like we, the viewers, get this cultural reference, psycho, uh, what is it? Counterculture reference. Mm. Re- references this is going on that's formalism uh i think goodfellas is and scorsese did it in raging bull as well all of my favorite scorsese films those classic um i guess touches of scorsese are all these like very formulaic formalism films that's really interesting because i would say the marvel movies you talked about take it one step further than formalism like oh yeah so it's not even pre-baked pre-visualized it's to, they they yeah they literally have a company that creates the entire movie in cgi beforehand yeah. and then the director comes in and effectively shoots the shots what a what a tough job for, for the like most Chloe's part hour. yeah Wh- like, whoever did how, that one what's her name she's badass she's a badass and she was given this like have you guys machine how do you how do you then keep any individualism so this is a perfect Example, bring up Chloe 
Zhao. Zhao, sorry. Um, I mean, I'm no expert. <laughs> I'm just but, surprised uh, I remembered her first name. She, <laughs> she, used to shot, she used to shoot realism films because they're yeah. cheaper to shoot. Yeah. yeah. And have you guys seen The Writer? No. Put that on your list. And anybody listening to this, The Writer, it's, I think, her second film. And she was up in the Badlands of uh, the Dakotas. And she... The, the, the background behind this film is even crazier because they shot a bunch of footage and then their hard drives got stolen. So they wow. had to start from scratch. Wow. And um, they made just this fantastic film finding this old cowboy guy, or I mean, young cowboy oh, guy. Bro, guess the IMDb rating. What is it? Like low? 9.2. Oh, wow. I've never seen an IMDb good? rating this that's high. Yes, good. that's okay. pretty good. Yeah, the writer. Um, that film is the type of film that I appreciate. Um because we, we kind of got stopped talking about it, but uh, eventually the travel show stuff that I was the vertical I was trying to create there. I mean, it's documentary filmmaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I just naturally appreciate that stuff because I've been mm-hmm. in those shoes, but there is something beautiful about ca- capturing that realism. Mm-hmm. So, like Goodfellas, I love Goodfellas. I love the formulism of that. But is it realistic? Absolutely. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Where you watch a film like The Writer and it's like, the the lead star is an actual rodeo guy. Mm. Like you see him breaking a horse in that film. Mm. He's breaking a horse. Leo DiNard- Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> Robert Pattinson, all those motherfuckers. They're no they're not breaking any fucking Bronx. No, you the know only what one I that mean? might be able to do it is fucking Tom yeah. Cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Dude. I don't know. I've seen him on the side of a fucking yeah, plane. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll do anything to kill himself. You, you get my point. Like, yeah, I, agree. I get your point. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. uh, but Chloe Zhao, it's like she started in realism, mm. and now she's in these very for- formalism driven films. Mm. Uh, that is just essentially Hollywood and you, you got, you kind of gotta be, uh, lean into formal formalism when you're making a film with that big of a budget. I was going to mm. say, I think there's, yeah. Cause you gotta add you know, we, cool. No shit. mistakes. <laughs> well, look, we, we <laughs> no mistakes can be made. Like you can't just go up and be like, Oh, uh, we're going to see what we get in the can. And yeah. I mean, nah. we talked about actors before getting to a point where they can do whatever they want. I feel like there's also that for directors, but maybe slight to a lesser degree. I feel like actors, there is, they hit a peak and then they keep, Whereas directors, they like Chris Nolan's a great example we talked about before. He literally, once Inception came out, Warner Brothers were like, "Just pick your pick your mm-hmm. sum, well, make whatever you want." And we talked about Tarantino, right? Yeah, same. I I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was like, "This is an example of he's just too far up his own ass." Like they just <laughs> gave him like, "Yeah." Quentin, QT. You do what you want. Yeah, yeah. Q- funny because QT, you want to make a three-hour movie about some bullshit? Go ahead. He said that he said he's only making so many movies because he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to drop off, and it's ironic that I off. think the last one is yes. the one that he actually. Well, even the one before that, it was. Hateful Eight. I hate that movie. I love that movie. Awful. I fucking love that movie. Boring as fuck. I, I don't know if that's actually the one before that. Didn't by the do way. it for me. And then uh, Django, he was kind of losing it, but it kind of started. Inglorious Bastards. Love that movie. I loved that movie. Probably my, his peak. My, my thing I, was, I honestly do believe. I love Django, right? Like, I, I enjoyed that movie a it lot. It wasn't bad. I, like, I don't want to I enjoyed too it a lot. It, it, it is long. It was so yeah. overstylized in so many points. Yeah. The last that scene. It just, it's always the last yeah, scene. It was, isn't no, it? no, no. All of it. The whole thing. And it got to the point where I was like, it lost the realism we were yeah. talking about. And that, yeah. that was one thing that a lot of his movies kind of just grasped onto a little bit. Yeah. Just enough. Interesting. I'm that not is even true. A, like uh, Pulp Fiction, there's, there's nothing crazy like happens in Pulp no, Fiction where you're need like, to. Like there, there, there was, there's crazy shit that happens, but it could all happen. It's, it, it is yeah. real. I love Pulp Fiction because, and maybe I'm a little biased because uh, I was alive in that era, but mm. I wasn't quite, <laughs> I wasn't quite, Welcome to the club. (laughs) But I wasn't quite old enough to be an adult in that era. Right. So like you see what the adults were doing when you were just a fucking... What was Pulp Fiction? Yeah, like that's what they were going to watch. Like this is going to be a fucking sick flick. And then, but well that, but also just like in Pulp Fiction, like the cars. Yeah. Dude, I remember sitting in like a car seat in some of those vehicles, you know? To the, well, to the, to your point, like when I was, I remember my mom was like picking me up to like from swim class and she had like a soundtrack in. And it was the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. And like one of the albums is, everybody put their fucking hands. Yeah. Like, and, and she's like, oh shit. And she like turns it yeah. down. And I was like, 
What was that? Like, yeah, mom. Uh, it's pretty, so it's interesting, yeah. you're right. It's, just, it's funny you talk about cars, and you know what's interesting, go back to the original conversation about Star Wars. So a lot of Star Wars... It's a random connection, but a lot of Star Wars apparently influenced by like racer culture in, in the States. So like souping out your car and having weird... like You know, like in the Millennium Falcon, there's like the gold now co- dice or whatever. Now this is pod race. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is based on that weird cu- that subculture. It's yeah. so interesting. It's also and, like based on this like fucking uh, super heady concept of like, you know the individual in conflict with themselves, which is like a really great thing to have. And I think that's what the, the first star Wars did really well. And mm. the rest kind of dropped the ball to be frank. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, you mentioned uh, before we started that you had an amazing yet sad story, but and, I think and, we need to, yeah. Yeah. And we, we, I guess. This. So you, we, we stopped now like, Hey, you've been trying to make it in the industry yeah. for a while. You've got a couple different vectors. Let's see. I graduated college in 2012. And I first, <laughs> I was born. <laughs> it was, it a, was eighty-seven. It was a years lovely ago. year. Yeah, it was a lo- <laughs> hurricane season was over. Why? Did, why does she throw the jewels? I don't fucking know. Why is she in it? <laughs> Worst part of that movie. I missed that. spicy oh, takes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually like that part in the movie because. <laughs> She's like an old timey Hollywood actress, and she got in one last film as like a ninety year old. But oh yeah, fair enough. I'm a I'm a sentimental guy. Okay, so talking about sad stories. Um, so I think I've I just to put framing on how long this shit takes. I think I started writing my first spec script mm. in 2010. Mm-hmm. So graduated college in 2012, and and as I was saying before, like I'm from a very small town. Mm. very kind of country like i grew up on a ranch i didn't even grow up in town mm. sort of thing there's nobody that i've ever met from for a hundred mile radius that i'm from that has anything to do with with art in general you know? <laughs> like let alone like i i i, I was i guess i was kind of blessed in a way that i'm only three hours away from from la okay mm. but I love how to an American that's that's a short amount of time. To me, that's like most of the country. Sure, <laughs> but but, but it's a, but it's a lot yeah. closer than England. It's fair. You know what I mean. We are quite far away from LA. Yeah, so <laughs> you get the idea. It, you know, I think about these Bali kids. Like uh, they, you know, it ain't happening. It, it's it'd be a t- it, it wasn't easy for me to get down to LA by any means, but it'd be a lot harder to not be. Driving distance. When you say the ranch, you're talking about George Lucas's ranch, right? You I, live wish. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Yeah, why cool. does that like remind me of like Epstein's Island? Yeah, I was gonna say the way you exactly that, the like, same anyway, thing. Go ahead. Oh God, guys, come on, don't put yeah. that on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God, <laughs> no, come on. How was Bill Clinton when you met him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, anyways, so I yeah, like yeah, I'm from California, but culturally probably closer to like Kansas. Yeah. Um, anyways. So as I said before, I, I wrote specs that I wanted to direct myself and then specs that I wanted to sell. And I was at the point of that rotation where it was time for me to write, uh, a large budget film. Mm. The previous large budget film that I'd written was a kid's animated mm. film, kind of like, uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. With the uh, sharks. <laughs> can, can we just spend one minute? How high were you? It's called Reefer. Oh, pretty high. Reefer? Pretty it's high. called what? Reef Rumblers. <laughs> it's it's fucking awesome. sick. That is Dude, cool. It's fucking sick. And someday, you know, knock on wood, you, you could, just got to believe. You could easily get an animated to help hey, you do that. You guys and all your listeners of the podcast assemble. All 50 a month. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> You're gonna hear it here first, but I so I but I wrote Reef Rumblers with with a writing partner of mine. We we started that 2013 in earnest. And it was a movie. Yeah, it's it's and we're still pitching it. Like we still, I have a manager now. That's a long story, but like it's still in the conversation. Anytime there's an opportunity, mm. yeah. and it's that film that will be Happy Meals. That will be kids' backpacks, yeah. kids' light yeah. up, light up shoes. Like it's yeah. that That's what you're film. going for, yeah. It's that film. So, and then I went and writ, wrote a different script about like this American that gets stuck in Tijuana, 
selling drugs or whatever and tries to get back across the border. That's a film I want to direct. You know, that's, it was, <laughs> that it close was, to home? it was, <laughs> well, I was going to TJ a lot yeah. at the time and it was such a different world. And this idea that just, just a hundred yards that way mm, on the other side of this fight, border. Bro. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I just loved that. And me and Tijuana get along real well. So it's kind <laughs> of like my love letter to TJ in like a exploitation caper, drug mm. caper type film. Okay. Next film. What are we going to do? Okay. Let's, uh, let's think about Disneyland rides. Mm. Okay. Uh, my favorite Disneyland ride when I was a kid and I wasn't Space like, Mountain. I wasn't like super crazy to into Disneyland, but Agreed. Space Mountain pretty good. Uh, the first thing that came to me was Splash Mountain. Oh, I think Mountain. that was a close second for me for sure. Okay. Well, so I look in the Splash Mountain and, um, the face, I see. do you guys know anything about how that ride even got to disneyland wasn't it like a show or something a movie i, I remember no. seeing something no 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 go on. okay so there was this film in the i think it was 1946 or something called song of the south oh i know oh wow <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know we were going this way with the podcast <laughs> so, and i've seen it i saw it i said uh, it's not on disney it, plus it, it, it points it's not on disney plus it paints a rosy picture of uh, servitude. <laughs> <laughs> is that? Is that being, a, being employed without pay? <laughs> yes. yes. We're, if we're using euphemism. It paints right. a rosy picture of that. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that because... Uh, so I thought, okay, Song of the South, we're not doing... You know, we're not pirates of the Caribbeaning Song of the South. But mm. maybe the source... Stop maybe it. Maybe the source material... So the source material came from what's called the Uncle Remus tales. And the Uncle Remus tales were was some white guy from the northern states um, back when the southern states still had slavery. He went down there and he attempted to record kind of in a from what I can from what I understand in an anthropological way these um, slave uh, tall tales, fairy mm. tales, stories. Mm. And, uh, but he wrote it in this like perceived vernacular. Like he tried to write it in the accent that the, um, he tried to Mark Twain it. No, no, no. He went like, people can read Mark Twain. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy wrote this in almost Phonetic a different language. Yes. In almost like a different language. And to the point that it was so hard for me to read, uh, that I would, that I went and I did the research. I found there's college literature papers where they translate it into, oh, wow. into plain English. <laughs> And these stories, they don't necessarily have endings. They don't necessarily, mm. they, it's just like, not great, not great. And so after a couple, I mean, a few months of, of doing the research and trying to make this work, I, I was just like, you know, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What other ride is there? that I loved that is just under undervalued right now. The Matterhorn. <laughs> the Matterhorn. So I start Explain the Matterhorn. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent question. So the Matterhorn is is a ride at Disneyland, the original Disneyland. And I think they have it also um at another at one of the other parks. Sure. I'm not sure. One of the international parks. And so I always enjoyed that ride. When you're there at Disneyland, California. Uh, Sorry, I know it's a ride, but what happens? Like Splash so, Mountain, you get Splash okay. Water. Yeah, yeah. Space Mountain, Good you get Space. Do you get. You want to take that, like, Andre? Yeah, I think I can Do you get taken one. on by a bull? Is you, that what happens? You, well, you join a. Uh, you're on a bobsled. It's yeah, a bobsled, correct? Yep, yep. And it's a big mountain. A toboggan. It's a toboggan, bobsled, one of the. Whatever you want to call it. And it's one of the big, you know, you walk into Disneyland, it's it's a scene, right? There's yeah, a lot you of things see you can see. It. You see the Matterhorn. It's a big snowy mountain. Okay, all right, all right. And you, uh, it's one of the more fun roller coasters. You're in this. It's like a, it's a very tight, almost like a single lane roller coaster where you're not side by side. You're, you're front to back. Like yeah. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, I think. And uh, you're you're 
entering into this mountain and there's a mysterious, yeah. mysterious presence. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at and, that. And very good. Yeah. 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 And, the, um, that's a stupid plot summary right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's one of the original ones. I think it was like sixties, fifties. Holds zero. up. So yeah. fun. Very and, tight turns. And yeah. And so you're, you're in a bobsled. There's like some vague Swiss culture in, when you're standing in line. You, you, <laughs> you're right. I never you, thought yeah, about that. You, you go in it. Well, I'll tell you because I had to research it. And uh, you go up into the mountain and then there's like a Yeti that comes out, an abominable snowman, but it's a Yeti. And uh, there's you get a nice view of the entire park. There's like yeah. a window out to the entire park. You do know they made cool runnings in like the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that movie. I thought that was that's so great. Movie. People love that movie. Really? I like that movie. That's I mean, boring. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I like it yeah. from what I remember. Yeah. But uh, John Candy, John Candy, pour one out. Um, so I was like, all right, let's let's take the Matterhorn on. Let's do this. This this seems like, and at the time I was also like climbing a lot of mountains. I was doing a lot of backpacking. So it just made sense to me as someone that's actually getting above elevation, you know, fighting the elements, like mm, kind of like that living realism out of the, spoke to you. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And so the way I attacked it was you got some certain things that you got to include. Okay. You got to include Swiss culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got to include a Matterhorn. <laughs> you got you got to include funny that yeah you got to include um some sort of um like sleigh ride right mm-hmm. so that the the ride makes sense you got to include some yetis <laughs> and that was the hardest part because when you research yetis they're definitely not in switzerland no it's a himalayan list is it it's yeah. himalayan yeah no idea fucking switzerland disney Walt Disney himself uh, wasn't too concerned about that back in the day. And maybe he why, just... Why would you be? Why, <laughs> why would you be? Maybe, maybe he was just... Uh, I don't know. Anyway... He's not exactly so, a stickler for the truth. Yeah. I mean, we, we've already no. talked about... Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> it was a movie, sorry. Uh, 70 years ago. 60, yeah. 70 years ago. The time, times have changed. Okay, so... All right. There's a Himalayan legend, but we're in Switzerland. Okay. Then, uh, all, all the, what, what, what the Disney charm really is, I think are period pieces. Yeah, that's true. You understand? Uh, yeah. so uh, for those that don't know, a period piece is like something that's set in a different era. Yeah. So I set mine in, after doing a lot of research eight in the 1860s mm-hmm. during the golden age of Alpinism. And that's when. People all of a sudden, I guess, had enough fixed income to want to go and climb mountains, mm-hmm. essentially, as like mm-hmm. sport. And there'd be societies like the British Mountaineering Society or yeah. whatever. National Geographic. You know, that's when these types of societies were created. So uh, so then nowadays, you got to have a global audience, of course. And you got to have, you know, strong. you want a strong female protagonist. You want a strong male protagonist. You want a love story. You want some treasure, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a because it's a Disney what, film. What are we writing here? We're writing the motherfucking Matterhorn. <laughs> the Matterhorn. Okay. That's title? what I call it. Yeah, the yeah. Matterhorn. What else do you need? And uh, the so the trickiest part for me was explaining the Yeti with that suspension of disbelief mm. that I was talking about before, um, which was kind of more or less easy because I just called it an Alpine Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> A distant cousin. Uh, well done. Yeah. Well done. You really, you really went out of your, uh, your way to be creative with that one. The, the hardest part um, was incorporating, to, and I say the hardest part in the sense that the hardest part of uh, making it believable, like com- combating that suspension of disbelief or encouraging that suspension of disbelief rather, was how do I get um, a person of African descent and a person of uh, Chinese descent mm. in 1860s Switzerland climbing up a mountain. Mm. You gotta fucking dig into the archives there. What is the what is so the, what is the how, how, how I did it yeah. was um, there there's um, an expedition from 
uh, England. Point of me. I'm, I'm glad otherwise. <laughs> we wouldn't have known exactly where that was. <laughs> also, it doesn't really come across well in a podcast pointing Rob at Lancaster. someone. <laughs> From the Midlands. Uh, From Lancaster! <laughs> back, to, back to your Harry Were Potter. Invented- your Harry Potter impression, yeah. <laughs> invented yeah. golf! Um, so, it was... Um, I, this so, why, a, why, why was there a Chinese and a, and a black... I, uh, I had to come up with it, and it was actually the hardest. To, they're not necessarily protagonists. They're actually Are they part like, of the Matt song? Is that the part no, of the no, no, no. Because I'm, that's the era we're living that's in. That's the era we're living in. We're trying to get one from every. Yeah, yeah. We're trying I, to I, take a, a picture. Look, I, I, I want films to be inclusive. I want, I want any person that decides to spend their sweet time on this earth watching the film that I wrote to like enjoy it. Yeah. And if that takes seeing representation of themselves, then more the merrier. You know. Right. So, and to me, the, it, it was a writing challenge. And this is how I... It's kind of fun, isn't it? Well, it, it's fun and frustrating at the same yeah. time, right? So, he, this character lived in the East End and was a fur trapper in Canada before, you know, failing at that is, enterprise. Is fur trapper euphemism is he's just really good at the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> So that that was his backstory, he and then he, he because yeah. he was one of the few frontiersmen uh, in London at the time. He was joined this expedition. Sure, okay. that adds up. And, and, yeah, so checks out. Yeah. So you so you're building a, a, like a rich backstory. You've yeah. got your idea. It's Matterhorn, and then the, you've got your main characters. The Chinese guy ended up there because he was an actual Yeti, Himalayan Yeti hunter uh, that they needed for the Alpine. Yeti. Got it. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay, dude, I like that. It's great. Yeah. It's guys. It's like that's why he's guys, here. He's the expert. He's the fucking chaos theory guy. Yes, okay. guys. Yeah. It is a great film, yeah. and I even said it in some historical realism. The main character. Um, I love how I say it's a great film. I've not seen. Have you seen it in cinemas recently? Mm-hmm. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> it's a great script, and the the main character was is took its name from somewhat based off of the real people that climbed the Matterhorn for the first time. There was a tragic event. It was about six or seven of these climbers that climbed to the top and they made it to the top. And then on the way down, um, only two of them survived. No, three of them survived. Because they didn't have the bobsled to get all the way down on. Yeah. Apparently someone slipped, an Englishman slipped, uh, and the rope broke, the rope, broke but then there's there, and then this was another thing that really made me want to write this script was there was a genre in the early um film history 1920s to 40s of mountaineering films mm. it was like a solid solid subgenre subgenre yeah. and so to bring back the mountaineering films and one of the um I guess, what, what do you want to call it? One of the factors of mountaineering films was something would happen at the top and then a survivor would get to the bottom mm. and nobody would know if he was telling the truth. It was like this mystery. It was that, like the Orient Express mystery. Sure, yeah, yeah, like, sure. Yeah, yeah, and and sure. when I was a kid, Vertical Limit was a film that, was that I movie. loved when movie. I was, was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, so I haven't seen that since Vertical yeah. Limit. I mean, it's kind. It's a little cheesy as an adult. I love. I love that cheesy subgenre. There was in like the the mid nineties. Was, was that like, one that what? It was like Twister. Yeah. It was like Vertical <laughs> Those Limit. Are all the same. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, but, but, right. but there's something about it that I, I'm drawn mm-hmm. to. Me and the partner sit down to watch a, a film on a Sunday, and I'm like, Mate, that's like that's a VHS I, one what, from my childhood. Yeah. Like I had that VHS. Absolutely. Right. So, like, which weird nineties movie can I make a watch? Yeah. So, I, I loved Vertical Limit. I really took um, the beats of the story from uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean because I also Great loved film. that movie. Yeah. Great film. The first uh, movie is amazing. First movie is just a masterpiece. And so, those those story beats, I, I I kept that. And then I even went back and I watched the original. There's something called Third Man on the Mountain, and that's a Disney film from the fifties. Very mm. boring. You don't got to watch it, but no, I watched that. I watched Cliffhanger. That's still oh, right. I also, you know, right, I also love Cliffhanger. That's a, but, but I tell you, that's that's what, that's, that's the, the best era of movies. These, it never got better than these, that. These are these are mountain films, mountain movies, and you don't you don't see them done anymore. And Jake per, Gyllenhaal did one. Per, yeah, Everest. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was based on a real event. Um, yeah, it's more like a biopic. I'm more whatever. fantasy than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, this film that you guys really have to check out. Really, really, really. Yeah, write this one down. Touching, <laughs> touching the void. 
You're very vulnerable at that moment. Like, write that down. <laughs> yeah, write that down. Uh, touching the void. So what happened with Matterhorn then? Come on, get... Look, get I, to you, it. You've got my, like... Get to it, mate. You're building this suspense. I need to know. Get it on up. Uh, okay. Touching the void. Write that down as a documentary. Yeah, um, it's on the watch list. Wait, is that the Sherpa guy? No. No, there's one. That's 14 there's, Peaks. Yeah, that's really that good. Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed I that. that. Um, Touching the Void is a documentary about two Brits that went to this, attempted to climb this South uh, South American Andy. mountain and uh, didn't go too well. Hmm. And T- it is just such, such a well done documentary. Okay. Touching, touching the Void, so, a sex tape. Yeah. So, so I began writing this around 2015, 2016. Okay. Uh, I get it done, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time that I'm writing it, you know, I'm, I'm, Back in this small town in California, mm. um, working in the inner city of Fresno, thinking like, you know, this once I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm I'm helping the community, I'm I'm making enough money to live a happy life for now. You know, I'm not rich, but but once this fucking script sells, <laughs> <laughs> once. Once this fucking script sells, I mean, because you got to think about it—a two hundred million dollar film. It's it's not that crazy to ask one percent of it to go to the script. Mm. Yeah, it's good money. Yeah, yeah, it's good money. Um, so that that's kind of the idea, and then, but I'm still three hours, two hundred miles away. I got no real Hollywood connections, although I'm working my way in. You know, I'm always thinking that I'm closer than I've ever been. Okay. Which is a good fucking mindset, by the way. Just chiming in. Hey, you got to do yeah. what you got to do. So fast forward three years. Mm-hmm. 2018? Uh, no, I got down to LA 2019. Okay. Finally got down there. And the way that I did it was I, I got a job at a different school. <laughs> At a different hood school. I don't know why. <laughs> an even more hood school. And uh, I don't know why. The, the LA hood. school system, folks. I feel like when you get to My like mother a, is a product. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like when you get well. to the worst school in like LA, then it's, you'll be like, he's hired. It's <laughs> one of them. Well. It's one of them. Um, yeah. It is what it is. Look, it's it's not uh, a bastion of academics, but it is a bastion of something. And so, but like it, it got me to LA in a way, in a sustainable way. I never wanted to be a waiter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which is like the stereotypical thing. Yep. Like that to me yep. just seemed too rolling the dice short mm. term. I was trying to be in it till it happened. So I get a manager and uh, the manager after, you know, a year and a half or something, she gets me to a, a friend of hers that works at an agency, mm-hmm. an agent. Um, and it's a big step. That, very big step. You're practically entourage. Mm, you know? What is the difference if you could put it into a between a manager, between and, an a manager and an agent? Um, there's a technical difference in the sense that ooh, a manager can also be a producer. An agent can only like sell the project. Yeah. Yeah. So an a, uh, yeah, a manager kind of. Yeah, so, so he was always a producer on all of. Uh, the films in Entourage. Oh, there you go. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but that... I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, that's that's a great a, show. So it's a, it, it is a semantical thing in that sense. No, there, there, there is a, a legal difference. Um, and but so... you need both. Well, um, depends. Not necessarily, but the more people that are rooting for you and actually helping you, the you, better. The better, yeah. probably. Yeah. So... Uh, agent i sent him the matter the agent actually dealt with disney and so what these big corporations will do is they'll send let's just say requests listings out to these agencies like we want blank 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 i've seen this my friend worked at netflix she had the app on it was like these are the things we want here's the scripts tagged each one it's pretty crazy it's very it's very tech driven now too Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we want blank, 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 blank. So he was covering their desk is the industry term. And uh, they read this indie script that I'd written. And he read this Matterhorn script that I'd written. And he was 
his words, not mine, impressed that I could do both. Because for some reason, there's this weird stigma, not from writers, but from uh, people in these middleman positions. Yeah. More the middleman positions, like these agents and managers that, you know, if you write a big budget film, how could you ever write like <laughs> two million dollar yeah. It's like to me as the writer, it's like it's it's you're just playing with different Lego pieces. It's it's yeah, very understand the different audiences. The yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like Taika Waititi walks that line really well. Sure, sure, and I'm sure many others do, and yeah, sure. I, I'm definitely trying to. And it's like I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's out of the ordinary. I think if you're good, you're good, and. uh you know, most of the time, the people that are saying that have never written anything. <laughs> That's a great point. But, Which is like the culture of today. You anyway. know, yeah. yeah. But I mean, maybe they've read a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to discount them, but like... It's not the same thing. I haven't read my shit. Anyways, this guy, this guy liked it. So he... So I I, I bring this guy up because you go through so many different layers of mm-hmm. life. And I had... I try corporate yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I had gotten it to other people here and there. And, you know, always, always. And I got to get back to the whole spec script thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing this. I'm working this. I'm writing this. What some people. It's a people, part of you. Yeah. It's like your heart and soul. That, but also like, I already have a full-time job. Yeah. This yeah. is the side hustle. Yeah, and teaching ain't easy. No. And, mm. and this, this is the fucking side hustle. And for five years i've been trying to get it to people and i've gone into some people and generally the comments back to me were always um aren't they already writing that script <laughs> or really like, or, or like or like aren't they who's this metaphysical thing exactly exactly it's like isn't that already being done or like oh they usually hire people for that sort of thing and um I, I was able to do a little bit of research and there was a Matterhorn script being written back in 2011. And by the time I started writing in 2016, it's like, well, where is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then now fast forward, we're in 2000. This is guys, this is this year. Yeah. This was 2022 that this all went down mm. so six years later. Um, he likes it. He's like, and so he's like, I'll call Disney. Mm. Calls Disney. The dream. The guy, the exec at Disney, I'm not going to say his name. Like, how did you know that we're looking for a Matterhorn script? We literally just got out of the meeting last week. Wow. And mm. so, our little, uh, what did I call it before? Our, uh, our imperative whatever yeah, you want to call it. The thing you've put out to the, yeah, yeah, to the little yeah, tentacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is to get, is to make a Matterhorn movie. Mm, awesome. Well, that's what I thought. And so, remember, this is a sad story. Yeah, yeah. And so, then it's like, whoa. And he's like, I'd love to read it. So, you gotta understand, like, I wrote this fucking thing with zero guarantee it would ever even get to Disney, mm. let, let alone that it would be a time when Disney's literally like they're yeah. the tea leaves. They're kind of just they're, yeah. well, that's why the, yeah. the, the mission of Disney is to get a Matterhorn script. And uh, so he sends it over to him and, you know, three weeks go by and you try to keep it cool. <laughs> <laughs> Itching your brain. You try and find a nice indica. (laughs) You try to keep it cool because you can't hold on to anything. If there's one thing I've learned in the like decade I've been trying to make this happen is like I've had other opportunities that you know with the travel show stuff we got it to Netflix at one point. Obviously the wrong person. We got it to um, a production company that at the time when travel channel was a thing. Yeah. That's how, that's how far back we've been wow. trying. Yeah. Um, there's, there's been opportunities where it's just like, Oh, this is it. And yeah. so like I was ma- mature enough to be like, you know, don't get your hopes up. kind of. Yeah. But after a while, it's like, what would I do with $2 million? <laughs> you know, like how would my life, what would, would I, would I get some property? You know, yeah. what I, like what would, what, what's, how would that feel? 
like the next i'm still waiting for this next sad step like you've got me on 10 talks over here i'm uh, like how is this gonna crash well we get the word back and uh they long story short the the guy said that they wanted to they, they would they just wanted to go in a different direction that they were trying to be more of like the yeti as the lead character and this the is fuck yeah, that's so Disney though. Oh. Think about it. The Yeti's the lovable giant. That's that's what it is. It's like Wreck It Ralph, it's, but with a Yeti. Yes, yes. Perhaps. Maybe write that film. Perhaps, perhaps. Just change your story completely. It'll be it's easy. just hard, it's, and it's super hard. easy. And that's a question I have for you. Once you you put all this in, it's really hard. I imagine to just be like, oh, let me audible. Well, yeah, like I mean, I <laughs> I've done worse things than for money, you know. <laughs> but uh, but I and, and I gotta say. This guy told it to that to my manager who told it to me. So, you know, there's literally a game called Telephone yeah. where <laughs> things get more and more distorted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um from word from like 2 or 3 weeks ago, they still haven't found someone to write it and I I just would like to be able to speak to this exact in in itself. Yeah, yeah, myself, because yeah. one of the, you know, kind of the feedback he got was the Yetis in my movie are these creatures that live on the top of the mountain. Plot twist. Uh, what, what is it? Um, hey, don't tell everyone. Yeah, I Still know. might get made. Yeah, still might get made. Spoiler alert. Okay, the the expedition, some of the people are up there to hunt Yetis as like a trophy hunt. Yeah, it's like and and they're, they're yeah, low key. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. They, they, they they don't tell the people like yeah. so like it, it yeah. there's a division up on the mountain. Yeah. And uh so they capture a yeti and they bring it down and then the climax of the film is the family of yetis come down and fuck shit up in the village to get their little yeti cub back. Mm-hmm. And uh he didn't from what I was told, the exec didn't understand how like the yetis could be nice cuz I made the yeti cubs really sweet for like lunchable or uh, yeah. Happy Meals. You mm. know, you want the Yeti toys. This is all the stuff that goes into a film mm. like this. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't understand how like the Yetis could be like sweet and cuddly one minute and then like be mean and fucking shit up at another. And it's like, it's like have you ever seen like a bear? <laughs> <laughs> Any I animal? Know. I know. I know. Guys, these guys are doing too much rack and holes. Dude, I know. I know. And that's like that's actually I, exactly what like, you want to well, show. The both sides of nature. Yeah, Th- that, but also like the Yetis are the victims. Yeah. Where it's like the Yetis are cool. They're you just up on the mountain. Like yeah. stop, don't fuck with the Yetis. And then they it's come temp- down. It's totally tied to the time as well. Like, it's it's yeah. it's like almost uh what is it like Fern Gully where like you fuck with nature. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Or like uh what's that James Cameron one with the that one Avatar. Pocahontas. Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, Pocahontas. <laughs> any any of these films where like like people are fine and then you poke the bear, literally there's a saying, and they come down and they 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 tear this little Swiss town up. Yeah. Zermatt. Real town. Yeah. Um. Anyways, well, so 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 the moral of the story is that they do too much cocaine in Hollywood. <laughs> They're in the clouds. Hey, the moral of the story yeah. is, uh, and let me propose this question to you guys because when I was younger, um, well, I thought one way, and now I think another way. Would you rather be lucky or good? I'd rather be good. Than lucky, okay. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, but good doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. I guess it. Makes, I, I guess look, to be good. Yeah, you, you've got to be lucky. You've got to have that luck, otherwise well, it just doesn't work. Like you look at some of the actors who have got big in Hollywood, and they are fucking terrible actors. And you're like, you're just lucky. You're not good at anything. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to. Th- who was the guy who was in Terminator? Sweet Salvation. Schwarzenegger. No, no the guy's in Terminator Salvation. Fuck, I forgot his name. Uh, there's so so many cases of actors. It's like, it's like luck when when luck meets opportunity, like you got to Exa- be prepared. Preci- like, precisely. So I'm I'm going lucky all day. Well, you're good, but not lucky. Is that what you're saying? When I was a young man, I I thought like Drake. Yeah. To be good, and and this this situation changed my mm. my point of view because this script is good. Yeah, it's there's, good. There is a fl- there is a flip of that as well, which is. There's apparently a lot in Hollywood about like the the connections you can make just by being a presence. Like 
being like a big big presence in a room where everyone can see and hear you and like mm-hmm. people are attract people ma- magnetic presences people like to call them like part of that helps with the look mm-hmm. if yeah. people like being around you and they like being in your presence yeah. then and you're gonna get anywhere. opportunities from that's, that's, that. that's anyway an awardy yeah. dick right like carvey weinstein you need that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. and, and that's that's been um even uh i guess intensified is a word to be used by social media right like yeah, some people sure. ju- are just sought out because of apparently people gravitate towards them on social media but before this situation i i thought good i'd rather be good and that's a young man thing and i talked to every old guy and i proposed these questions and in fact an old guy proposed this question to me Mm. and every every old guy says i'd rather be lucky Mm. well you fucking cut to, to your point you need a little luck yeah, well, especially uh, in an industry like this. Let I me mean, let me flip it the other way around too. Yeah. Right, you don't win the lottery because you're good. You win the lottery because you're lucky. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look, this has been an amazing chat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what we're even going to call this. It's been fucking phenomenal. <laughs> uh, I love how deep we've got into the movie yeah. industry. I've learned all new things. That, that can, has been super can, insightful. Can I just end it on this? Yeah. Because this was at the very beginning. We were, we were talking about like I guess uh, how to make it in Hollywood or something yeah. like that. And uh, I started to try to talk about it. There's, there's three things you need. You need product. Yep. Right. And so yeah. that's your spec script or any script. You need the network, mm-hmm. right? You need the people that are receptive to that product. Think about this. Let's just say, you know, Steven Spielberg. Okay. You know, Steven Spielberg, that's a great network to have. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything good to give them? Then, then he's useless. <laughs> you know, let's just say you have the best script ever, the Matterhorn. <laughs> Do you know Steven Spielberg? No, zero. Are you living in a small ass cow town in California? A lot of that comes back to the look question, though. Surely, like if you're some, so for example, I've got a friend who was traveling, had no money, basically run out of options, so he had to just fly home. And he was in a bar in India and he just sat down next to this random guy and he was drinking a drink with him. And he just said that the guy was talking away to him and he went, I'll buy the next round. And the guy liked him so much for just buying the round of drinks. He came back home. Turns out this guy's multimillionaire, owns a big digital business back in the UK, gives him a really high ranking exec job in sales just because he liked the cut of his jib. (laughs) And it's a case of a lot of... There is certainly is the an, third, is there's the certainly an element of looking it as well. Is that the third one? The, 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 the third one is timing. Yeah, okay. And, and, you know, timing, luck, what do they call Like you said earlier, um, preparation plus whatever. Yeah, uh, prepara- success is when preparation meets luck, basically. Like, yeah. Timing meets preparation is yeah. luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that, that's kind of, I guess, the combination of those two. But you definitely need timing because... Um, you could have the best Matterhorn script, but guess what? Somebody already has the best Matterhorn, the other best yeah, Matterhorn yeah, yeah, script, yeah. and they they fucking they yeah. had a better network and, than you. Yeah, yeah. So it's those three: uh, product, network, timing. Amazing. And and I guess to to close it out, how but how much fun did you have making the script? Like, is is a lot of the fun <laughs> in the research? Is a lot of the fun in the research? Uh, you like, know what? That's when it comes funny, together. That's a funny fucking question, Dre, because I never thought about it. Until right now. I had to come all the way to Australia yeah. to think about that. You hate it every second of it. Um, it's such a love-hate relationship. I, I don't think I would do it if I hated it that much. But there's definitely, definitely times where you're just banging your head against the wall. How do I get these characters on a mountain in 1860s Switzerland <laughs> in a way that's believable and great? Um, and that's a process, especially when you're working overtime. That takes, you know, that took me months. Takes passion. Takes passion. Yeah, takes months. But I, I do. I've always been a history buff, so I just do love digging into that sort of research to make it believable. That yeah. helps. Yeah, yeah. That was that was my thought. I mean, like, no matter you know, you got. You, you, it's still, it's still gonna happen, right? It's, it's. We're, we're putting positive vibes into the ether, man. If and I just think if, that part of the process, like the journey, is yeah, part of the fun. Right? We'll see the. Um, I just wish I could uh, still, I, I wish I could have a conversation with that exec to kind of um, answer any of 
his questions because you got to understand these guys are busy too. You know, it's a 116 page script. Who knows if he even read the whole thing? Yeah, fair. You know, who knows how fast he read it? Yeah. Who knows? You know, I, I'm the one that spent. Who knows if an animal can be cute and scary at the same time? Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> that's, it's that's, just knowledge we that, can't that fathom. Is, that is hard to test a test it's to. It's tough. Look, I think the reality is we'll, we'll hope the algorithm goes yeah. your way. Yeah. And maybe true. maybe we can help in some way with our, our yeah. whatever amount of month we get. But. And, and you know what? You guys just got yourself a new listener. Thank you, brother. I'm subscribing. Thank you. <laughs> You, don't, you can feel free to skip the Star Wars prequel episodes if, <laughs> yeah. if you want to. They're the ones that want to listen yeah. to. We'll, well, I can't we'll, wait. We'll fast forward yeah. to doing we'll do that quite soon. a bit of anthologies, yeah. uh, and you might like those. This, is hey. been, this has been a good chat down under. Yeah. Hey, where where can our listeners find you if they wanted to online? To answer your question, Oliver underscore bros on IG. Check it out. But also Viva Jaime is going to be the YouTube series. Viva Jaime. Viva Jaime. Yeah. All right. Nice. Bro, it's been... It's been emotional. It's been great. <laughs> it's been a ride. It's, it's been I, I almost honest, two hours. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly don't think I've ever been this quiet on a podcast. I'm so confused. This is good, I'm, man. I and can I next time I'm I'm in Australia? Can I come back? Yeah, absolutely. Can next we do this again? Yeah, catch a flight if you make it. <laughs> yeah. You've got yeah, a, a couple, a couple tough flights. Got to get over here in the first yeah. place. Yeah, well, I and I'm I'm only here for one more day, so this is clearly not enough <laughs> well, time in Australia. Well done. So yeah, I'll be back for two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be yeah, back. Shouldn't you be out doing stuff? Yeah, like get catch a dango. <laughs> Go <laughs> and eat some much. kangaroo. Well, thank, thank you, you honey. very much, guys. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with it. That was a fantastic interview. We loved it, and we love chatting away with Jamie, who we can find at Instagram. Where do you? Olivera underscore bros. We can uh, find him. Check his stuff out. He's he's gonna be awesome. He's gonna make it big. Uh, I'm sure of it. I don't know if you are. Oh man, I know he's a very creative guy, as you oh. probably got from that uh, that interview. And, and he's so no- pumped as well about the yeah. whole scenario. Passionate man. Passionate. Love it. Pa- you, can love it, man. you can you can <laughs> spell it, man. You can you can spell it. You can taste it. You can feel the passion. Anyway. Look, look, guys, we love it when you stick for our episodes. Thank you so much. You can find us at Podcastassemble Instagram or thepodcastassemble at gmail.com. We would love to know what you think. Let us know. Hit us up. Hit Jamie up. He's Olivera underscore bros on Instagram. Let him know what you think and come back next week for something different. Yeah. Tally ho. Tally ho.